Hello, everybody. This is Timmy Bennett here. Zaren Banyan. And this is BNB Banter Bros Goes to the Movies. Episode, episode six? Yes. Yes. That's I have right. to think about it. We're a few beers in, so. Yep. This is. This might be a little interesting. Yep. Because what are you. We think we established your, what, five in? Six in? Yep. And I'm cracking on my third, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, so this episode we are going to be talking about John Carpenter. Yep. Um, <laughs> Tim's feeling especially talkative right now. I did a lot of talking in the past, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, we had a nice long conversation before we started this episode, which we won't get into. But No. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so we're going to talk about John Carpenter. He is an American director, um, famous for... Well, quite a few movies, actually. Yes. He's done quite a... Pro- he's got he's, quite the prolific... Uh, so there's a, there's a couple things about John Carpenter. Catalog. One is, yeah, he's got quite the filmography. Yeah. Two, he's quite the iconic filmography. And then oh, yeah. third, he has quite the fan base. For sure. And... Uh, he's, he's had major, like, classics, like... Or not major... He's had major successes and cult classics. Yes. Like, he is... Actually, I can't even say briefly summarize it because this is exactly what he's considered. He is one of the founding fathers of horror. So he is considered one of the four founding fathers of what's considered modern horror. And that would be John Carpenter, Wes Craven, Clive Barker, and God, I know there's somebody else, but I cannot think of Um, Yeah, right? I can't think of it as as of right now. That's going to fucking fester. (laughs) But... His his most iconic film of all time that everybody knows him from would be Halloween, the movie Halloween, the nineteen seventy eight. I think, yeah, is I think what we said that, yeah. Uh, Halloween yeah. with Michael Myers. That I think, was his I would most think that that's film. probably his most commercially successful. But it was technically independent. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was an independent film that made I, commercial I that, success. I guess that, yeah, I look at it this that that way. Like, the yeah. fact that commercially, it's probably the most well-known of his but films. But it didn't right away, either. Yeah, really? Okay. No, oh, no. It, it was, uh, it didn't do, that's why, what makes it so iconic. Interesting, okay. Yep. It's weird learning about these kind of directors and their films, or, or even actors and actresses about these films, and realizing mm-hmm. that what we consider to be very commercialized. Yeah knowing when they were created that they weren't commercialized or they weren't studio friendly or whatever it's, it's, it's e- really weird to think yeah. about where they come from and and the amount of time it's easy to think that they're commercially successful because like well halloween has so many sequels yeah and then what, you go into four, the remake there's four, five there's five, five actual sequels. halloweens and there's h2o which then, had uh well, Jamie Lee Curtis came back for that one. Yep, she came back, and then uh, Buster Rhymes was in that one, too. Oh, uh, God, that's right. There's that one. I think there's another Halloween movie in Re- between Resurrection? That. Yes. Yeah, that's Halloween it. Resurrection? Yep. That came that. out not that long ago, though. Or was H2O... H2O, I feel like, was like in the 90s or early 2000s. Like, late 90s, early 2000s. Because I, I remember him, like... The trailer had him coming down like he was one-handed, and he was coming oh, down yeah, from the he's ceiling. He's like literally holding yeah, himself literally up, and just like <laughs> just lowering himself down. I'm like, that man can do a one-arm push-up like no other. Just pull up champion just, of the world, 
Yeah, it was like yeah. so subtle and quiet. And then well, Jamie be- Lee Curtis between was that and the remakes that, but then that, Resurrection came out what like a couple years ago. Yeah, because I think that's the one where like Jamie Lee Curtis is still is in it. Again, yeah, yeah, she came back. She's yep. like, all, she's like grandmother probably something like that. And she's got like guns everywhere. I didn't watch it. I all I know, she wasn't talking about yogurt. Right, Activia. It helps um, your bowel movements. Right. I shit myself at least three times a day. I'm Jamie Lee Curtis, and I don't poop right. <laughs> um, but then you think of the the Rob Zombie remakes. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I, between those things, I kind of – that it's easy to look at Halloween as a commercial success. Yes, absolutely. But once again, that but, is like – Yeah, you one of, that, that was like his first iconic film – yeah. But not when it came out. It right, was just, right. it, everybody knows Halloween. Yeah. I, at least I would hope. Now, um, saying that, he's had a multitude of films. Mm-hmm. At least 35 films. 35, hold on. <laughs> yeah, 35. That are, are technically considered no noteworthy, at least. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're, um, on, they're on IMDb. We'll put it that way. For sure. Now, I think that we should probably dive in a little bit to a bio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, talking about who he is, at like at least where he came from. So, John Carpenter, his real name, by the way, and no, he didn't build anything. Was born <laughs> was born January sixteenth, nineteen forty eight, which makes him in his seventies. Yeah, which is pretty old, in my opinion. I don't want to live past sixty, to be honest, but. Uh, in uh, Carthage, New York. So he was born in New York, New York State. Not, like, not, you just almost said New York I almost said like, New nope, York City. Carthage. <laughs> yep, I almost did. Um, but he also moved to uh, Kentucky. So he grew up in, Tuc- okay. yeah, in Kentucky, uh, Green Barrel, Kentucky, I think, or something like that. Yeah, might as well just say Podunk, Kentucky. Either way, it was, uh, it was during Jim Crow, and it was during a time that he was unfamiliar with because coming from the cities, you had a little bit less racism. Or at least, I mean, I don't say cities. At least New way. York, yeah, outright. But Jim Crow down the south in Kentucky, it was yeah. very prominent. You had the KKK, like mm-hmm. they were very prominent in that in that area. So he had he grew up in the Jim Crow area, and he in several interviews and several things that he had admitted he didn't understand. Sure. That that world, he went into a world. He was an outsider. He went into a world that he was unfamiliar, like going to a different planet mm-hmm. and then trying to socialize with this weird culture. And it wasn't him. It wasn't a part of his thing. He didn't understand it. And so he was kind of considered an, like a bit of an outcast. It was like that one kid in Remember the Titans. I, it's been so long. It was that one kid from California that, that like. Oh, the long haired hippie guy? Yeah, who yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. didn't observe okay. racism even though everyone else did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep, I remember that. Um, Sunshine. Yeah, Sunshine. That was, uh, yeah. Was it, he, he wasn't the quarterback. Was he the receiver? He was. I thought he could catch a ball. Yeah. Oh, no, he was. Are you sure he wasn't? Receiver or running back, one of the two. No, I don't remember. I don't remember either. Fuck. It's been a long time, No, he was a quarterback because I always think of the the main character, Kid, uh, but he wasn't a quarterback either. He was a... uh, I just remember the the guy from Scrubs. Yeah, he was a a receiver, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I just remember him. (laughs) And Sunshine. Donald Faison, I think is his name. That's his name? Yeah, Ethan Suppley's in that movie too. God, Ethan Suppley—that's somebody that's worth talking about, especially now. Yeah. But now that he's just yoked, right? Now that he's fucking muscle bound. Um, 
I don't know what it was talking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kentucky. Being in Kentucky. Yeah, so he grew up in Kentucky, and and he got into film because when he was eight, eight years old, his father gave him like a um, eight millimeter camera. So he started making super eights, and then he quickly evolved into something else. And the next, you know, he's in film school. So he was one of those generations that went to film school. And anybody who knows about film, or anybody who has anything to do with like filmography or films in general sure. um, there's this battle like that I don't want to say it's a battle but it goes do you need to go to film school or not and there's a handful of directors like um, Quentin Tarantino Robert Rodriguez you know filmmakers like that that make success without film school and mm-hmm. then you have film school people like John Carpenter Kevin uh, Smith yep Kevin Smith uh um, Steven Spielberg and um, that, Lucas, you know, yeah. he's the biggest one. Like he was that, uh, I, I think that falls under the same thing with culinary, culinary people. Like, yeah, do you yeah. do you need to go to school or do you just get the experience? Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm not, I don't know why I never piece it. I'm a cook myself, so yeah, it's right. it's true. Like, I honestly feel like you don't need to go to school, a culinary school, to get into I, the industry. I feel like culinary school has its purpose for like learning. I traditional always, techniques and or at least learning traditional it depends on what you're cooking like around yeah. here for the stuff that's done around our town Absolutely you don't need not. it that's it gives you a good money. jumping off point like i tell people that go to the tech college like it, it'll give you a good jumping off point give you a few things ahead of people but ultimately it's not but totally how many necessary. people have we worked with side by side hand on hand yeah in training who went to culinary school and don't know shit about the restaurant well, right and that's and that's the other thing is every Certain culinary schools teach you certain techniques and everything, and it's yep. like, but they don't. That's not applicable to every restaurant you work in. Not at all, and they don't teach you how to use a knife properly either. For the yeah. most part, I think that's the biggest thing I've I've heard complaints about is they don't really teach you how to use a knife or how to use um, basic things that you really do need to develop to become a cook. Hmm. I've heard they teach you how to cook things. Like, you know, traditional French cuisine or things like that and the differences and things like that. But for the most part, I've never heard any culinary student come out of culinary school going, I can use a knife because they taught me. Oh, it's totally different. I mean, I went to culinary school. Yeah? They taught you how to use a knife properly? That's. I mean, I've got, you know, you forget or, like, you don't necessarily learn things or you kind of change after a time. But because, I mean, I've got cuts and I've done damage to my hands with knives, like, to prove it. But. They 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 do. Wow. That's one of the first things they speculate teach you is like they sit there and they fucking make you learn how to cut, cut with a knife, how to hold your hands, how to make sure like you're using your knuckles as a guide. Yep. Things like maybe, that. Maybe like, maybe things have changed since you were in school because maybe at I, least the five people I can recall. I, I can remember a chef I worked for. Um, Sorry, we're getting off topic a little. Yeah, bit. just a little bit. Bear he was us. sitting there chopping, just dialing away on fucking mushrooms. These button yep. mushrooms. He's just got a pile of them. He's just slicing and just chopping away. And a, a food rep came in to talk to him. And, like, literally he just picked his head up. He didn't stop cutting. Yep. He just picked his head up. And the guy was like, well, finish what you're doing. He's like, I'm fine. He's like, I had to do this for six months before they let me actually cook anything. So, yep. And he was a – like, he went to uh, Cordon oh. Blue. Cool. Okay. So, sorry. I just, blanked on what the name of the school was <laughs> so like he he went through like one a respectable of the, one of the, school yeah like a yeah. legit culinary program 
So like he like they concentrate concentrate pretty hard on like teaching you the proper techniques. This is how you sharpen a knife. This is how you hold a knife. This is how you cut with a knife. Oh my god, the amount of people who don't know how to fucking steal a knife yeah. is redonkulous. The fact that they don't understand the difference between a sharpener steel blade, you know, the flat, yeah. rougher one to an actual steeler right. and the difference is just it baffles me. I can't tell you how many times I've said some I've said something like, "Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to chew the blade." And they look at me like, what? Like, okay. Well, I'm gonna first steal of all, it. we're going to have to fucking have a discussion about this. But. Right? I, there's a couple kitchens. Last pa- uh, past couple kitchens I've I've worked in haven't had steals. Haven't had a, a stealer. Yeah. And I'm I, like, how Honestly that- speaking, I work – well, I mean, working at Perkins, I work in a place where it's literally just – you know, I do a lot of omelets. I make a lot of eggs and pancakes. We don't have anything – we have a couple of regular knives, and there's mostly just like serrated bread knives. And, they, and I was like, why? And they were like, oh, this way people don't cut themselves as badly. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's incredible. It's one thing I can say about Chipotle that really helped me a lot yeah. was it's probably the closest thing I will ever come to a culinary sense of mm-hmm. teaching is Chipotle. Yeah. And you weren't at Chipotle. You yeah. understand. So, yeah, I know. I know yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, 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 they're, they're ones that give a shit about what their employees are doing and knowing. But it's because they had to because they gave a shit about their their cut sizes. Mm-hmm. They were they dialed brutally in. anal about yeah. oh, cut it. sizes. That was why I didn't make it. Like that's why I couldn't handle that place. It was like, oh, like, oh you have it. to be able to you have to be able to cut this much lettuce in fifteen minutes. I was like, go fuck yourself. Oh, I found that as a challenge. I fucking succeeded. Like I said, I could cut a, I could cut over a pound of chicken, in three minutes flat. A whole piling, third pan, which would be over the line. <laughs> yeah. Third pan and three minutes flat. I don't know anybody who's been able to do that since. <laughs> I know they've tried and failed. Winner! And my cut sizes, that's what it was. It wasn't just, oh, I cut this. It was the cut sizes were consistent. Yep. But and I that, am also a guy who really thrives. <laughs> and that, and that's pride. what I tell people. Like, there's certain people that can thrive in a corporate format because that's me. <laughs> they thrive on the consistency and the structure. Others like me don't. Like, But I like both the worlds. I like right. I, I fit so naturally in both of them. I love right. that world of, like, Chipotle was literally a military uh, like. Stature, there was, there like, was a hierarchy. Yep. There was a way to do things. The it was cult-like almost yeah. in, in the way it was, oh, it was done. Absolutely. Um, but I also love that. I'm also a guy that goes a dash of this, a pinch of that. Yeah. I just, that's why everyone always asks, like, oh, do you like baking or, like, cooking? I'm like, no, no. Baking's not a thing. Like, baking is a science. Cooking is improv. Yeah. I don't like baking. Yeah. I can do it, but I don't like it. If I... I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell you how many times I would have just given up on a baking project if I had figured out, hey, I don't have this ingredient. Versus <laughs> versus cooking something, yeah. I go, okay, well, I can substitute. This. I can substitute. Like, yeah. Like, oh, hey, I'm out of baking soda. Well, I guess this whole recipe's fucked. Then, didn't right? I? Yeah. Like, oh, but oh, I don't have any uh, chicken broth. Well, I can add a little bit more salt. Or hey, if I have uh, like you know chicken yeah. base, that's, exactly. yeah. that'll work too. Exactly. You know, or something like that. You know, it's basically yeah. knowing how to substitute something. Yeah, or so, something else. So, so beca- and I think this is that's part of why like I don't I don't thrive in a in a corporate format. It's the same reason I don't bake. Yeah. Because you don't leave enough room for improv. Like I can't fucking work. Yeah. Like we apologize for ranting about cooking so much. We swear to God, we're comparing to film. Right. <laughs> this whole point we, really comes down. Of yeah. Film, but we're getting back. And there. we're sorry, but the whole point comes down to whether or not film school versus 
not film school, and right. uh, it has the same connection. There's a parallel. Yeah, like, the same connection, same parallel as as culinary school versus non culinary. I'm not one from culinary school, yep. and yet I work in the industry, and I'm pretty well knowledged, and I yeah. succeed. I can. I, I'm pretty good. But same with filmmakers. Is like if you go to school for film, yeah, you learn certain traditional techniques you learn the basic rule of thumb and all this stuff you learn all these things but then you have these successful filmmakers that don't go to film school who once again the love of film the passion for film has excelled their career into knowing hey i can do this anyway the best way to look at it i think is the the schooling gives you a foundation and some there are people that can actually just make their own foundation yeah. yep. and then they build like not 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 saying anything about talent or whatever you all, once the foundation is there you build yeah some people get the foundation put in for them some people just build their own foundation out of whatever uh, so to, and to, make it work either way yeah so to bring it back to Car- uh, john carpenter he he said that when he was in film school his teacher straight out said like hey 99 percent of you will not succeed won't, yep. won't go anywhere and john carpenter's like i'm going to go somewhere and he did yeah now why we're talking about John Carpenter, other than he was just a random choice that we chose, <laughs> that's our uh, our very elaborate and thought out, um, you know, algorithm to who we talk about next. Right. We don't, randomly, we don't just have a dartboard. Practically. We don't we throw have, darts We, we have a board. We've, we've pointed our finger. Yes. With our eyes closed. That's a challenge. Um, but he, by the way, it was Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> That's even worse than what I oh, said. Wow! Because what did you say, Green Barrel? Something like that. <laughs> I was going off of the top of my head. But anyway, uh, he, John Carpenter, he had a love for film. And yeah. one of the first films that he says that he loved was um, The Thing from Outer Space. That was like one of the first okay. films that he saw back in you know the 50s probably That's that right. he uh, like fell in love with. That he was like, this is what makes me want to become a filmmaker. He also said he grew up in a house that didn't have a TV. So it's odd to think that he kind of just was not familiar with the TV generation mm-hmm. and just went straight to cinema. Yeah. And and that's that's a whole different entity. It's the same umbrella, same house, just different rooms. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he was able to succeed so well in Cinema is incredible. And one of his first film debuts was a student project called Dark Star that actually turned into a actual film debut. Interesting. Yep. Um, I remember seeing Dark Star on the, his like list of movies. I didn't know what it was about. Yeah, that was like like his first film debut. Like That was the thing that he – it was started off as a school project and it actually turned into a featured film. And he got credited as a feature film. And then after that, he did Assault on Precinct 13, which was also a remake that recently Yeah, I remember there being a remake all with, that long ago. with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Was that what it was? Ethan Hawke? Was, Hawk? was it? I thought it was John Travolta, but I have no, no fucking idea. No, uh, that's The Taking of Pelham 123. Oh. That's another remake. Once that's again, Denzel and John Travolta. Once again, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. But he literally had two films under his belt. An Assault on Precinct 13 was very controversial. There was a scene where a pretty much assassin or a killer, 
um, because it was during the Jim Crow era. And so you had to deal with racism. It was really prominent within racism. You had like a black cop in this precinct. Then you had practically these white terrorists coming in and, and there's these, these criminals or these assassins or whatever who killed a little girl with an ice cream cone. It's just this little 13-year-old girl with an ice cream cone, and she gets shot oh, right I thought, there. I thought you meant they killed her with an ice cream cone. No, I was no, like, no, no, what? No, no, no. This, this, this thug, this creature, this, or this fucking thug creature guy, <laughs> this thug comes out, and he just, like, shoots her right there in the street, just bam, and that's it, and she dies. Damn. And it was very controversial, and um, John Carpenter says, like, it's something I, I, I gambled with. At the time, I was young, you know, in my 20s. I was like, I'm going to do this because I had something to say. I wouldn't do it now. I wouldn't gamble right. that. I wouldn't do it now. Now being a father, now there's certain rules that you just don't do kind of thing. But at the time, that was very controversial. They got an X rating. Now, this is in the wow. 70s. It was 1976 when this film came out, and that was an X rating. Wow. Which is right there with porn. Well, yeah, that's well, X yeah, X rating is porn. It, you're, well, anything point. as offensive, as yeah. quote unquote offensive. And it was porn. because of that one scene. It was just because of that little girl getting shot. <laughs> that'd then, be that'd be a pretty hard R at this point, but it would be. An, it would be like an NC seventeen. I don't even know if it would hit an NC seventeen. I feel like NC seventeen is beyond rated R. Well, and it is. I just I don't think it would hit an NC seventeen. Do you think it was just? Still I think it'd R? still be a hard. Well, oh R. yeah, I guess today if it was just actually these days I think it'd be, be a hard R. It as a thirteen, PG thirteen. Depending on how you filled it, depending filmed on how you yeah. filmed it, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I, I would have to watch it to really be able to go. Hey, this would be a PG thirteen yeah. now, but. Yeah, you're right. It's probably more of our because of the violence. Yeah, for sure. I think NC seventeen is really relegated more towards sexual content nowadays. You know what? I agree with you. I, it might, yeah, like I say, it might have been different back then, but I think nowadays, like a NC-17. Well, wasn't a thing back then, so. True. Yeah. <laughs> NC-17. Yeah, three then, ratings back then. Yeah, any, NC-17, I think, nowadays is really yeah. dependent on, like, P- sexual content. PG-13, I don't even think it was a thing. It was PG, R-rated, and an X. I think those are basically the three that they had. Mm, interesting. Um, either way. He did that before he did Halloween, which was 1978. So Halloween, we talked about earlier, was his most iconic film, and that was uh, with Michael Myers about the serial killer going around killing babysitters, basically. Um, well, but his it, ultimate goal was to kill his sister, but he killed a bunch of people like getting to her. Well, he killed his sister. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was his sister. No, that was his uh, niece. I believe it was his niece. So he killed his sister when <sighs> he was a child. <sighs> In the beginning of the film, that was like the first thing you see is he goes up, he puts a mask it's on as a child. It's been so long since I've yeah. seen and that he movie. And he goes and kills a sister. And Stupid William Shatner's mask. <laughs> so the idea, though, behind the Halloween was like Michael Myers was supposed to be pure evil. Mm-hmm. And we do get that feeling and we get the understanding from the remake with Rob Zombie, who did the remake of um, in 2009. Sounds about right. It was, it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, that He's the entity of pure evil. And yeah. John Carper, Carpenter still had that within the original. Is he wanted this idea that he was a boy who no longer is human. He yeah. was a he was a, a shape of evil. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly he succeeded. That's what made that film so so. I don't know, big so like horrorish, so scary was that. It's almost like a neighbor that could just come over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, 
I guess I didn't read that far into it, but I just remember like Michael Myers in the beginning of that movie just being a child, like devoid of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's exactly what it was. He was nothing. a pure there's he was a pure there. psychopath. Yeah. Um and, and he was supposed to be a, a pure psychopath from birth. He's essentially epitome of evil. He's an entity of evil, pure evil. Yep. Yeah, it's it's fucking crazy to think about. Like yeah. could that be a real thing? I mean we've we have history, like historical documents and archives that say that so uh serial killers are a thing. A, what's it? One in every like seven people is a serial killer or something like that. Something like that, which means that you have probably sat next to one. Yep. Or if anything, is it a serial killer or a sociopath? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like because I feel like you can be a sociopath and not be a serial killer. It's true. To be honest, I've often had that wonder that that, that I've pondered about this is if you go into a really public place, how many people have killed somebody? You could be sitting next to somebody yeah, who's killed that's true. multiple people or never killed anybody, but you don't know. Yeah, that's and very it's, true. And it's a very unsettling thing, but it's also very like you kind of fantasize about it more than anything because you don't know. Yeah. You, you really don't know. But I've that's often thought sure. about that. I go into the mall and I sit down on a bench and I'm like, somebody behind me right now could have killed 30 people. What What is their justice? Whether it's war or... Mm, yep. Buried in her backyard. Justifications, I think. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. You know what I mean? That's kind of shit I think about. So, um, going back to uh, John Bleak. Carpenter's uh, filmography. <laughs> so, uh, me and Aaron, before we did the podcast, were talking about his connection with um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, and that, yeah. that they're friends, they're fans. His first film that he did with Kurt Russell was a TV movie called Elvis. Oof. Where it was 1979, and he directed a TV film with Kurt Russell featuring as Elvis. Okay, so that was the fifth film we were trying to figure out. But that was the first the other, film yeah. out of the five. We, well, I mean, we couldn't find the fifth. Yeah, we couldn't think of it. That was, we could figure it out. Yep, and uh, I, I do recall that Kurt Russell was a, he's an Elvis fanatic, just <laughs> like Nicolas Cage is an Elvis fanatic, but... They also, which is kind of coincidental, Kurt Russell is also in that movie where he plays Elvis. Two thousand miles. From Thank Graceland. you. With uh, Kevin, uh, Costner. Kevin Costner. That's it. Yep. And he plays an Elvis impersonator <laughs> figure. <laughs> I remember that movie because Kurt Russell has that kid with him, and the kid somehow convinces him to let him smoke one of his cigarettes. And he's Kurt Russell mocks him after the kid's throwing up because he doesn't smoke because he's like ten. Kind of reminds me of. Um, was it uh, Flipper with Paul Paul Hogan, Hogan and Elijah Wood? And Elijah Wood, where he makes him smoke like a cigar. Oh, I don't remember. I never watched it. I didn't like Flipper it's, the show, so I didn't. I, watch I, I didn't care for it, but I like Paul Hogan. <laughs> I do too, but I, yeah. but yeah, I, I think just, he catches like Elijah Wood trying to be like him, smoking a cigar. So he like makes him sit <laughs> in a boat smoking a cigar, and he's all sick about it. Either yeah. way, moving on. Kurt Russell. I just remember Kurt Russell talking shit to that kid, and he's like, "All right, well, Mister, I blow chunks when I smoke." <laughs> <laughs> that would be some curse. I'm saying, guys, I'm being a pussy. Oh, God. That movie was... I was eight was, years old when I was smoking a pack of cigarettes. That What's movie was so ridiculous because there was a fight scene where they just, like, opted in, like, a computer-generated uh, video of, like, a scorpion fighting another scorpion. Oh, God. It was like it was like when the Kurt Russell is trying to fight Kevin Costner because they're both too old to fight. Since you said fight, 
sidetrack real quick. Did you watch the new Mortal Kombat trailer? Oh my god! I I haven't sat and actually watched watched it. I've been meaning to sit down. Oh, I've had a hard on since I've seen it. it. I watched it three times in a row. Yeah, it's probably gonna be the best thing ever. Everybody's putting shit up about it. So, oh my like, god, I guess because I it's fucking watch. phenomenal. They even have the fatalities. They're bringing in the actual fatalities in the yeah. actual fights. I'm so stoked. I can't stop talking about it. Anyway, let's move on. Sure. The uh, the other big film that um, John Carpenter was known for after Halloween was The Fogged. Now they did do a remake, I think, back in two thousand like fucking six or yes. seven, yep. called The Who Fog, was which it? was Tom Welling and Tom Selma okay. Blair. And Tom Welling, he, he's known for playing Clark Kent and Superman in the Smallville series, which I was a big fan of. And then he went and did this for his like first film, other than Cheaper to Buy the Dozen. Did you see that they're doing a new Lois and Clark? I did. For CW? Apparently, it apparently it's doing okay. It's well, already the, aired. The guy they've got playing Superman was the guy they had on Supergirl. Yeah, well, the, which was rightly so. Yeah, but it's the same universe. I, I was just like flabbergasted because I'd already I watched Lois and Clark when it first aired with Dean Cain and oh, uh, God, Terry Dean Hatcher. Cain. Yeah, um, I remember that one. I actually yeah. kind of fondly remember that show. I barely. Remember it a little bit. I, enjoy it. I actually remember when Dean Kane featured in Smallville, and he played a, uh, a he played Jack the Ripper. Really, he essentially was an immortal who huh. was a doctor who also became Jack uh, Jack the Ripper, and he kidnapped uh, Clark Kent and was going to do. Or no, I think it was either way. He kidnapped somebody who Clark Kent was <laughs> involved. Yeah, either way. Interesting. Moving on. Yeah. Back to the fog. The fog. Yeah. 1980 was the uh, basically the second big hit film that he did, but it wasn't really big at the time. But it was also one of the most challenging films that he had to do. Films. Yeah, and he uh, he also married the lead actress at that time too. I can't or not the lead actress. That, I don't even know who the fucking lead actress would have been. Jamie Lee Curtis or the yeah. chick that he married, Adrian or Adriana. You have a computer in front of you. Well, yeah, but. I mean, I have to click and do more clicking and click, 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 and it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, Adrian Barbua, Barbu, Adrian Barbo, Barbu, is that how you said? Yeah, Barbo, yeah, yeah. She was in like I know that name. Escape for New York and The Fog and Fargo and or I'm not Fargo, Argo. Back to school, Fargo. Sorry, Argo. Um. Either way, they were married. Uh, they Interesting. Got, at the time that that movie came out, he uh, he had challenges with that one. It was really it was like one of the films that he said that he had to do, and he had to put a lot of work into. And uh, he still talks about it today as one of the hardest films that he had to do. I um, have to admit, I've never watched it, so I don't know the real not, concept of it. It's not bad. Um, there's actually some things that maybe if you do talk about and we start talking about like horror films and stuff, yeah. there are some film that would be one of the films that to talk about, about like horror because sure. I, I mean, once again, he was considered the founding fathers of horror, modern horror. Yeah. So he, to me, to be honest, I feel like John Carpenter was the film version of Stephen King. There's a comparison. That seems fair. Like they have the same kind of, idea about things that really freak people out. Sure. Especially for the time that they were, I mean, they came out about the same time too. So 
Yeah, then he did uh, Escape from New York, which also featured Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, him and, and Kurt Russell wife. are fans. And The Thing, which also featured Kurt Russell, which is fantastic. So The Thing was one of the biggest failures in his career. <coughs> cinematic Which is bonkers because that yeah. movie is so unsettling to me. Oh, my God. It's great. But the, the biggest issue that it had at the time was it had to do with the monster. So you had two people that were working on it, one, two cinematographers. Oh, okay. And you had one guy that said, hey, we should, like, backlight everything and create – have the creature like be more in shadows be more in the darkness mm. be more mysterious and then the other, this other guy said no we're gonna fucking light that creature up within these lab lights and <laughs> it's gonna make it more unsettling so they did both of that and it was one of the first films that you saw the creature outright all the way through and it's extremely fucked it, up like I said I don't get turned off by movies a lot the thing actually unsettles me which is when i see which which is odd because like i say i'm not averse to those things um but the thing of all movies like really unsettles me when i see like some of the people like starting to like be part of the monster and like show it yeah like especially like like the, the the mutation that yeah when like when you see them just start shaking and then stuff just starts coming out of them and it's like yeah, there was one where like I think they cut one guy's head off and then like legs sprouted out of the head and it was walking around and I was just like, nope, yeah, I'm done. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, it's like a little spider creature yeah. on the head. It's I agree. And the you. head's like upside it's down. So it's unsettling. <laughs> I fucking agree with you, but I also I watched it. Don't get me wrong, I watched the movie, but I was definitely it was like mm, I don't need this anymore. But the thing really was one of those films that. It was ex- the whole experience about the film was so unsettling. Like you yeah. said it best. It, it, there's nothing more to say about it other than it was just unsettling. You didn't like watching this film, but you couldn't look away. He built so much tension in between those spots where you saw the monster. Yeah. There was so much tension between the people that you didn't know for sure were dead. Yeah. Like. And then at the end, when it's literally just him, like Kurt Russell and the other guy, just looking at each other, like waiting to see who goes first or whatever, like was a killer ending. Yeah. I, to be honest, and they, they recently, in the past five or six years, they did a re, or not a remake, it was a sequel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a continuation. It. No? Was it I, a continuation? I thought it was, it was a, like continu- a prequel. No, it was a continuation. Okay. It was. It literally began where the other movie ended with this dog running. Oh, in I the forgot snow. about the dog. Yep. So the dog running in the snow, which I believe was the the was the pre credits or was the beginning of the film, where a helicopter comes and shoots this dog. The reason why it shoots the dog is because that was the thing. Interesting. It was the creature, and they were trying to contain it from leaving the the Arctic. And Interesting. The continuation left off right there. And then there was another team that came in and was like, what happened to all these people? And they did a phenomenal job at picking up where the other film left off. I was super impressed on and the details that they did. He wasn't involved in the second one? I don't believe so. Um, let me look real quick. Because, like, he, if anything, he may have been like a uh, – what, what do you call it? Um, somebody who just like, kind of gave advice. 
Oh, an, like a, oh, like an a advisor? consultant, I guess. Consultant advisor, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it doesn't say he was. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. That's say, interesting. Or at least director wise, that they were able to do such a good job picking up from where he left off. Right. Um, it actually. I mean, the movie is on a on a on a basic level, like is very simple. It was. Um, it didn't but, have I mean, a lot. that's the beauty of it. Like you didn't, he didn't use a lot, but he created so much tension. Oh, absolutely. Like he did. He, that was that's like what he really achieved with that movie. Yeah, you don't need a lot though when you're dealing with, you know, an alien foreign object in the Earth that's been there for you know hundreds of thousands of years. You know, what's really funny to me, or not funny, I guess, but like what I think amuses is, you. It, that it catches my eye. It's what catches me is that it's not even the alien that's really the scary part. That's unsettling, but the scary part is the unknown. Like what that? No, no one knows who to trust. It's the yeah. paranoia that yeah. sets in. No one knows who to trust. Oh, so absolutely. Everyone's a, everyone's a problem, right? Because in the film they were going like, well, it doesn't digest metal. Right. Right. So they're going like, well, who has metal fillings? Who has metal this? Who has exactly. Metal- that is so true. It's and the paranoia. in the film, in the helicopter, they didn't even know that the fucking guy in the helicopter was uh, one of the creatures. Yeah. And that, yes. Oh, my goodness. I've never really thought about that. That's so true. That's the scarier, trust issues. <laughs> that's the scarier part of the movie. It's not the monster. The no. monster monster's scary in and of itself, yep. and that's fine. But it's, it was it's what it you feel because you don't know. Yeah. It could it could. Uh, to anybody exactly and it, it could and was anybody and the whole point about that was that you know you don't want this thing to escape to right. go any further and that was the whole reason why they were trying to figure this shit out is because they knew right away so just the thought that it could be anybody and it could escape mm-hmm. and take over yep fuck man yeah god damn let's get move on beer, from that get one. a few beers in me I get some good ideas <laughs> um one of the things that John Carpenter also is known for was he is a musician. So he his father really? was... Really? I didn't know that. So his father was a musician. He, his father was a professor. That's actually the reason why they moved to Kentucky from New York was that his father got a university job as a teacher for music. Interesting. And so he learned music. And his, his father apparently learned or taught him, taught John Carpenter, how to read 5-4 uh, signatures, which is what... Halloween was. It was a 5-4 signature. Oh, okay. And music. So the thing about John Carpenter and music and film was very similar to um, John Hughes. There was a connection. Yeah. The only difference was that John Hughes had, he used... Outside music? Outside He used music, uh, outsourced music or other people's music to help influence his stuff. In this case, John Carpenter would would like film or whatever the film, and then he would apply the music that he felt suited to mm-hmm. emphasize the film. He never did the other way around. Right, right. He didn't write the music and then be inspired. It was the film inspired this, and then he would do it himself. It was also a cost thing too. Like he realized, like if he did it himself, he didn't have to pay anybody else to do it. Yeah. He did have some people, obviously. Right. Um, usually when the studio came in and stepped in and said, hey, it's our money. This is what we want you to do. And then he was like, all right, fine. Right. 
Um, but he always had some little help into directing the scoring of the film. But he created the first three films he did. He did all of the soundtrack. <laughs> so that was something I found fascinating was that music. And, and still to this day, as a 70-year-old man, he tours. He switched careers. Really? He, stopped, he stopped directing. And no now shit. he's touring. He goes around and he does music. Basically what he does is he plays the theme music that he does in all of his films. <laughs> Just an hour of him playing the Gallery yes. theme song. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. So what he'll do is he'll have his he'll have his most like popular stuff that he likes, whatever that he did for theme like the theme music and stuff for yeah. the scoring. And he'll have videos up of that film that he had scored to while he's playing live with other musicians, like really popular musicians. It's fucking crazy. It's that is pretty power funny. to pretty, him though. It's, yeah. it's 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 incredible as a seventy year old man that he's still he just shift gears. <laughs> so, um, I don't remember what I uh, what was it the thing is that what we talked about? We were just talking about the thing. All yeah. right. So I had just mentioned how I feel like Stephen King and uh, John Carpenter's the film version of Stephen King. Yep. Well, he did direct Stephen King's film adaptation of Christine. Yep. And to be honest, it wasn't that great. Was it not a film I really watched nope. much of. Like I think I saw some of it. But I didn't it really wasn't that great, to be honest. And I'm a huge fan of the book. Yeah. I love the book. That's still, for whatever reason, I've got to read one more of my... Stephen King. I haven't wa- read enough of his stuff. I've read a few of his books, but not enough to make it worth my while. Well, just ask me which ones to read first. <laughs> I started reading it, and I Ooh, just that's a that's a challenge. I got to when the the losers start to like get the call to like come back. Oh, okay. So I got into about there. So I probably got what like fifty pages in. Oh god, I, I, I kind of gave up. So the problem I had with the book was so I dense. Oh, it's thick. Uh, I got to chapter four. Before yeah. I realized chapter four wasn't ending after like 10, 20 pages. Chapter four is like a whole fucking novel yeah, on its own. Totally. And they also go like in the book. I, I, at, that, at that point, I read up to chapter four and I read like halfway through chapter four before I'm like, is this never going to end? And um, that is about the time to get three generations end. So that's the cool thing about Stephen King's It stories yeah. they get three generations in to the to the to the world it's right. uh unlike the films you basically just get two generations you get the right. child version and the adult version but in the book you get their parents versions especially the bully the the i can't remember uh, the henry name. bowers yeah you get into his father's generation interesting okay so it is quite in depth but I felt I had to listen to the audiobook because eventually I'm like, I can't fucking trudge through this thing. I had as much trouble reading that book as I did when I tried to read Don Quixote. Oh, God. And that's one of your favorite books, too. I, I still haven't finished fucking read it. I love the, the, the story <laughs> in and of it and the concept of Don Quixote. I have not read it because yeah. I can't get past, like, the first two chapters. It's tough. Yeah. It is so dense because it's translated from Spanish. Yeah. And it is so hard to read. The crazy part is that's not even, like, the hardest book to read by... Stephen King. I think The Stand is the hardest. That to read. wouldn't surprise me because I remember the, I remember the made for TV like set of like 
hour, hour and a half long, like, TV movies they made. Off the stand? Yeah. Yeah, with Rob Lowe? Yeah, Rob Lowe yeah. and a bunch of other people. Gary Mars, Sinise. Yeah. And, and Rob Lowe's the only one I can remember because he doesn't say a fucking thing during the entire well, thing. Well, he's a mute. He's mute. Until, until the end when he's dead and he comes back in somebody's dream. Yeah. And then he says, like, two lines. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, the, the stand, I remember, like, just from remembering the show itself, I would believe that it's very drawn out. Yeah. Um, I do actually want to see the new version they've done. Because they just too. released a new one with, like, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg and uh, it's on other uh, people. ABC, I think. CBS. Or CBS, yeah. I, I, I want to watch it, too. I, unfortunately, I feel like it's not going to do all that well because they canceled Castle Rock, and Castle Rock was fantastic. But yeah. They canceled it after just season two, and I'm like, oh, my God. That is the worst thing you can do because there's so many questions. Yeah. I still haven't watched all of it. I still have to finish this first season. Hey everybody, this is Timothy Bennett here. Stay tuned next week for part two of John Carpenter.